Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers. I'm here with Megan Francis, and you are listening to one of our More Than Mom episodes. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So I think this is so funny. First of all, this is going to be really fun because this is literally an Ask Us Anything episode. So people have been sending us questions, asking us anything. And we truly got questions about really anything. Uh But I just have to say really quick that I have a problem with doing the intro to the show. I just think this is one of those behind the scenes things that people (laughs) will enjoy, specifically the more than moms, because we don't follow the same format. Yeah. We don't say, um, hey, welcome to episode, you know, 472 of the mom hour. (laughs) And every time I try to do this intro, I stop and go, wait, what am I supposed to do? Like every time. It's kind of reminds me of when we flipped over into on the 100th episode. Yeah. And I remember how long it took me to get the number. Like, I would say, welcome to episode 123. And you're like, why are you being so weird? We just need so. like, uh, like a voiceover, <laughs> you know, like one of those booming, like third party voices. Oh, that's yeah. like, you are listening to the mom hour. I don't think anybody <laughs> would like that. I don't think that that would fly really. But so at the beginning, right before we started, Sarah said um, very sweetly, she's like, I'm going to go ahead and do the intro because that's hard for you. <laughs> so I'm just laughing because it is ridiculously hard for me. And now now listeners can be like paying attention to hear just how hard it really is for me. Or we'll tell you how many takes it took. Can I tell you something <laughs> yeah. else funny behind the scenes? Sure. So we we kind of developed that scripty opening that we don't really even have to write down, but we say basically the same words every time we open the show, right? We never did the same for the wrap up. And I kid you not, for probably three and three quarters years, we had trouble wrapping up the show. We truly did. It was awful. It was awkward. We didn't know like who was going to, wrap it up. And we had no way to say like, goodbye, like signing off goodbye. And our sound engineer, our wonderful sound engineer, Brian <laughs> Thomas, not my husband, Brian, um, said one time, you know, Sarah, your volume gets really quiet at the end. Like you often aren't speaking at regular volume at the very, very end. And we go, well, it's because we're trailing off. We have we're no idea. Just tra- we don't know what to do. So we're both just like, well, yep. See you later. See you later. <laughs> and now we write it down, but it took Seriously, four years, four of the five years. Um, So we're still getting better, everyone. And and, you know, sometimes listeners write to us with a little constructive, you know, tip for things like that. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us, even though we spent four years like awkwardly trailing off. And you know what's so (laughs) funny about that? Like, I feel like that's one of those those things that's analogous. I never know how to say that word to so many like teaching your kids how to wash the dishes right or like learning how to do this thing right kind of thing. Once we figured it out, it was so much better and it was so easy. Yeah. But in the moment, it always seemed like it was going to be such a hassle to like plan it and script it, even though it's one paragraph and it literally takes no time. Um, So we just kept avoiding it. 
Yeah. I mean, you could, you could really compare that to almost anything that feels yeah. like it's harder than it actually is. And then when you do it, you think, why didn't I just right. do this before? Or you feel like you should be intuitive or instinctually good at something when in fact, no, it requires a system or it requires a script or a, yep. like a checklist. So anyway, that was all I'm right. I'm going to totally feel that way when I finally get around to um, organizing my photos. Yeah. I'm totally going to feel like, why didn't I do that? One of the, one of these days, I think (laughs) we have an episode about that. (laughs) I know it was months ago and I swore I was going to do it and I haven't yet. Anyway, wow, this, we're already, this is already like an ask us anything and we haven't even gotten to the question. You didn't even ask us for any of the last five minutes. (laughs) We're just giving it to you anyway. So again, Sarah, we asked um, listeners to send us questions literally about anything. And we said, we won't promise that we're going to answer them all, but like, we won't be mad at you for sending really personal questions. Mm -hmm. And people really did. So were you surprised by any of them? I mean, yes and no. I actually thought we would get the one surprise is I thought we might get more behind the scenes questions. I am someone personally who loves behind the scenes. Like if I'm watching a sitcom, I want to watch like how it was made. I want the blooper reel. I want to see those like candid moments of the actors when they're not on screen. I just, I've always loved that since I was, you know, my whole life. So I thought we might get more questions about either making the podcast because there's a lot of aspiring podcasters out there or maybe stuff about like, you know, how we record or like how we work with sponsors or what we really think about, you know, something behind the scenes or industry related. And we did get maybe one, but I thought if, if it were me asking us questions, I would probably have asked a behind the scenes question. And I think we got one out of all of them. So that was my surprise. Not surprised that we got asked about literally money, religion, politics, uh, you know, marriage and relationships, nipples. nipples. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So not surprising, <laughs> but kind of fun. Uh, the other kind of questions. Uh, very fun. I think that's so funny because in one of the other ways that Sarah and Megan are not alike, um, I find those behind the scenes videos to be like intolerable. Oh, like, really? At the, so uh, like, yes. I will not. I mean, I just can't. I'm just once I've watched something, I am done with it. I don't want to think about how the sausage got made. Just, I want nope. all of it. <laughs> I think it a work related thing. Like if it would, I would be interested in that because it is something I could try to emulate. Right. Yes. But like for like entertainment, not at all. Hmm, so I just think that's so interesting. Um, you know, like you, I was not at all surprised that we got so many personal questions. I did want to just briefly say we got a ton of questions about divorce and co-parenting. And some of them actually, I feel like will be great topics for like more like a, a regular parenting type episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like dodging divorce questions first because I mind being asked them. It's more like there's a kind of a delicate balance. Like I try to keep my relationship with my ex pretty private. Cause it's not just about me. Um, but I do talk about it a lot, which I think can be, I don't know, surprising. Like it occurred to me the other day that if you didn't know I was divorced, and you heard me just kind of offhand mention my ex, you probably would just think we're still married because yeah, I might be like, oh yeah, and John got the kids and da 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 da. So <clears throat> it's a de- it's definitely a very legit question. Um, and maybe in the future we could delve into more of that in an episode. But I just like for the for this episode, I just was like, eh, I'm gonna steer clear of those because it's too much. Yeah, it's too much for this. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, fair so, fair enough. We didn't say we were gonna answer everything. So. Sure. <laughs> well, um, we have something also really exciting to tell you all that doesn't have to do with an ask us anything, but I think we've established that this episode is whatever we want it to be. Um, so we are inviting all of you to a virtual retreat. This has come up quickly and we're jumping on it quickly because in the year 2020, you just you do what feels right and you can't plan six months ahead. So we're planning about six weeks ahead. So really briefly, what this is, is an opportunity for you to get, if you want, a night away from your house, maybe a night at a local inn or VRBO or, you know, like your friend's guest house that's not being used or anywhere Mm -hmm. you can escape a little bit um, for some some time alone and some time with us in a very low stakes virtual capacity. And when I say low stakes, I mean, we plan to have a lot of fun, but we don't plan to keep you busy on 25 different zoom conference calls, you know, with like different topics. And like, so I'm, I don't think of this as like a conference so much as an excuse to escape. Uh, That's like, that's how I want moms to see it. An excuse to escape. And Oh, by the way, a little bit of content from Megan and Sarah, Um, but we'll be doing it in real time. Meaning it is Saturday, November 7th is the night you want to put on your calendar to escape your family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of picturing like, 
the cover, like the art looking like that Escape from L.A. movie. Yeah, yes, you remember with I can't remember who it was like, was he on a surfboard? And I don't remember oh now, God. but it was kind of ridiculous. Yes. OK, so and we also had people in our Facebook group who said if they had the option, um, they would rather send their family away. Yeah. And stay home, which is also an option. And really, you know, whatever um, amount you're able to interact with this, like this idea, if it's too hard for you to get 24 hours completely away right. or with your family completely away maybe you've got a newborn and it's enough to send most of your family away or you yeah. know or maybe you and the baby get a little like a little getaway so there's lots the of ways for four hours four hours would feel like four days in 2020 um yes. yeah I mean I plan to go about 45 minutes away to a hotel that's my personal plan I haven't stayed in a hotel in almost a year um I haven't been anywhere for leisure in the whole time of COVID. So, you know, for me, it's the same as for a lot of people. This is like a big, a big step. I plan to stay in the room pretty much the whole time. And when we were thinking about this, it's like what we think a lot of moms are wanting right now is just a, a short break. And so if we can provide an excuse makes it sound like I don't know. Not not quite right. But if we a can reason, not an excuse, provide a reason, a reason, a reason yeah. to put it on your calendar and not say I need to do that thing and never get around to it. Because right. now you've got a date. You've like got a the, date. Yeah. We can do mm-hmm. kind of some virtual happy hour. We're, we're still developing the content, but there will be ways to connect with us and other listeners um, and maybe some built in time for things like journaling or creativity or a bath or sleeping in like all the things you could make this time really your own. And the Megan and Sarah part is the the reason to put it on your calendar. I like that. I like that yeah. phrasing, Megan. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the coming weeks, but basically put November 7th on your calendar. Um, there's a link in the show notes for how to um, sign up and tell us that you're interested or, you know, tentatively interested. We know things change fast. And so this will be very on brand for 2020. We're going to do it, but we're going to stay flexible and we want you to join us. So we're excited. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. 
Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, here we go. I picked Laura's questions first, Megan, because she had some, she had like some good light warm up questions for each of us, and they're a little different. So I'll jump in and I'll go first. She says, Sarah, how are your kids adjusting to the move? And I will say, great. I've talked a little bit about it um, on some recent episodes about back to school and, and how we're doing virtual school. Um, it's really hard to separate my kids adjusting to the move with my kids being seven months into a global pandemic. And back in July, when we talked about the reason for our move, I kind of said like their whole world has been disrupted by COVID. They were disconnected for their friends. We weren't seeing people or doing any play dates. We weren't really even playing with neighbors at that point. So I kind of feel like the disruption happened in March, April, and May. Then we decided to move. And the short answer is they're doing really, really well. We have grandparents in the same town. Our weather is just a little cooler and a little more moderate. So we're outside more. We have more space. So I think it's a net positive. Um, I think making friends in seventh grade and fifth grade, especially the older two, is going to be a longer journey. But again, when you compare that to the disruption in friend circles that COVID had caused, and especially for my middle schooler who didn't have a super locked in, things are changing so much in that age range anyway. Um, it's hard to remove COVID from how they're doing like compared to pre-COVID. Does that make sense? But I mean, really, really, they're doing really well. I, I mean, we're, we're so lucky and happy that we made this move is the short answer. I love hearing that. And it reminds me of one of the the early conversations you and I had about it. And I think the decision that I'm going to say we came to together because, of course, I was instrumental in in promoting this move. But I think we kind of said when you're moving, the weirdness feels normal because you're just kind of like hunkered down and you're all kind of in it together and you know it's going to be weird. So it's like it's like a more tolerable weird and loneliness than when you're in your old environment and everything is different. Yeah. Because you're expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Laura also asked, what is my favorite Hamilton song? And she asked the same of you. So you could jump in after me, I guess, if we want to go head to head. I'm going to say three um, because it's three. That's not fair. I forced myself to come up with one, Sarah. Oh, and you don't like coming (laughs) up with one. I I can't. I I can't with Hamilton because there's too many reasons to like a song. So um, my favorite song to sing along to is It Would Be Enough which is kind of like the Eliza Hamilton melodic pretty song. And then that melody comes back later in Quiet Uptown, which is also like really up there, but not one of my three. So um, it would be enough. Uh, Cabinet Battle Number 2 is my favorite rap. Um, Some of my favorite rhymes are from Cabinet Battle Number 2. And then my favorite like all cast ensemble piece is Nonstop, which is the Act 1 finale. And then, I mean, I, I have like honorable mentions after that, but I'll just cut myself off. So there's different reasons. And okay, I have to, I have one more thing to say. One more thing to say. Um, we've watched the movie a lot, the Disney plus, um, and we knew all of the music before that, but I, Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance is just like so amazing and he's so brilliant, Fabulous. but yes. his song, his songs, when I'm listening to the cast album, don't make my top 10 for some reason. And I don't know if it's because of I'm not I can't sing along with him or the way the reason I enjoy his performance and his brilliance and genius is different than what I how I would say what my favorite song is. So I kind of feel like guilty about that or something because it doesn't take away from his brilliance. But anyway, well, I think that's interesting because I have an exact opposite um, response. My absolute favorite song that like gets me like fist pumping Mm -hmm. in the car and beating on the steering wheel and Isaac or Owen will often say, mom, can you please drive with your hands on the steering wheel? There's a few songs that that happens to. And that's one of them is, um, wait for it. Uh huh. Yeah. Like absolute hands down my favorite song. I just, there's something about the timing of it. That's so brilliant. And like, he's so good and I just love it. I love it so much. Um, and then, and also the other thing I realized is that most of my favorite favorites are in the first act. And I think that's because the soundtrack is so long yeah. that the first probably two dozen times we listened, yep. we didn't even make it to the second act. And then we would just start back over at the beginning. Cause I'd be like, Oh, I want to hear that one song again. So I bet like, I bet actually, if I really thought about it, I'd come up with a few songs that are in the second act that I like better. Um, Dear Theodosia is another big favorite. Mm-hmm. It's probably like my favorite sing-along song. And then, so 
And then I, oh, and the favorite like ensemble song for me then would be Guns and Ships. Yeah, Guns and Ships is a great song. It's so, so good. And that one also gets me like super like, I don't know, because it gets real jazzed up yep. and exciting and stuff. So so my two yeah. assignments for you from Act Two are The Election of 1800 and One Last Time. So those are, those were two of my early favorites from Act Two. And One Last Time is almost made my top three songs it's washington and hamilton together so chris jackson yeah. is oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and i'm not well, saying and he's great too songs, and the guy yeah. and the guy who you know the actor who plays um washington is oh my fabulous gosh too, yeah. but for whatever reason his songs didn't make my top right but but again i think that's because his really good stuff tends to be more like later yeah so yeah all right well Whew. yeah if we that can talk exciting. for that long about hamilton this is gonna be a long <laughs> we're, we're episode not. okay <laughs> I, I talked for four times as long about that as I did how my children are adjusting to like a major life change just for reference. Oh, well, you know, there's more to say. Your kids okay. are doing good. But Hamilton, though. Okay. But Hamilton. So, so what else did Laura want to know from Laura you? Laura wanted to know um, if I'm a Verner's drinker. What is I am that? not. Ver- is- oh, Verner's is a, she said, being a Michigander, Verner's is a ginger ale company okay. that is Michigan based. And it's one of those things that people, I believe um, Fago is also Michigan based. Um or Midwest based. And, but I am not, I am not a ginger ale drinker. Eventually, like every now and then I'll have some ginger ale and a, you know, but like it's you're hungover. when I'm sick or hungover. <laughs> like, not even that. Like, I just don't, it's not on my radar. I don't think about it. Okay. Um, Laura also asked if there are any wit, any recordings of the shows that I've been in because I've done a lot of performance. And honestly, I'm not sure because a lot of times they get recorded on DVD and then there's all these weird rules about because I never post them anywhere online because there's all these weird um, Song rules licensing. about not it's licensed. Yeah. So you can't. So there actually may not be any um, videos of me anywhere online singing or performing. But if I find any, we will we will share them. Well, and for listeners who are just getting to know you a little bit, COVID has changed singing for quite a while, probably. Turns out. But- I can yeah. brag about you because I have seen you perform as Roxy Hart in your community theater production of Chicago. And I've also seen you seen you sing karaoke. Um, one memorable occasion. Have I seen have we done karaoke together more than once? I think just the once. I think it's just the one time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Megan has a legit voice you can do. And then you've done other concerts. You were singing at your church for a little while. Like you can do yep. many things vocally. You've had the lead in some musicals. Um, you can rock it at karaoke. Um, do you how would you describe I was blonde, your voice? I did a blondie your, like. Yeah, a blondie. Send up, not a send tribute. Up. Yeah. Seth. Well, no, it was like it was like a like a like a tribute concert. Women, local women singing women artists. Um, and I was Blondie for three songs. That was super fun. And I was supposed to do Dolly Parton this summer. Oh my gosh! So, what's your elevator pitch for your type so of sad. voice? Like, if someone said, "What kind of singing do you oh, do or I love am, to do?" I don't really have an elevator pitch because I do. I love all of it. I yeah. think that I. Probably am most skilled at, as like a like a mezzo soprano musical theater singer. Like mm-hmm. that's probably where my my range is. I have like a really clear voice, I guess. So there's just but like I love to sing like country and mm-hmm. and um, like rock and lady songs and stuff like that too. I just don't think I'm as skilled. I don't have like a great um, strong belt or anything. So I'm more comfortable in that kind of pretty Mid- like. Yeah. Yeah, melodic. mid-range. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, but I but I definitely will. I definitely will do the other thing. You will belt it out. When <laughs> I will belt it. When prompted. I don't know that everyone wants to hear it. Yeah. And my favorite karaoke song ever was when I sang Sarah Smiles to you. Or Sarah Smile. Paula Notes. Oh. That is my, my favorite birthday. Sarah song. My memory of that night is you singing Fancy, Reba McIntyre. I mean, that's oh, what God. I have a video of. <laughs> okay oh now it's admitted that you have a video of that and i remember you singing stand by your man i did sing stand by your man that night and it was amazing my favorite moment from that night is i came up to you at one point and i was like i think i'm ready and i meant to sing karaoke and you (laughs) you thought i meant i was ready to go home (laughs) which is like (laughs) Which is like the most Megan Sarah moment because those who know me, I do like to go home early. I don't like to stay out late. But it was your 40th birthday. I was not ready to go home. I was ready to go sing. And you were like, you're ready already? And I was like, no, to sing. 
I had forgotten about that, but that is pretty funny. Uh, that was a fun night. That was a very fun night. Okay, we're going to move on to Anne, who has a, uh, she's a new listener, just brand new, like the last week or so. And she commented on, on Instagram. So I'll just read her question. Um, how do you keep yourself so motivated to keep coming up with ideas and taking time out to do the podcast on a regular basis? Always sounding as excited as if you guys were just new into podcasting. Um, that's very sweet. It is I, very sweet. I'll speak to the the quick answer is um, the part about taking time to do the podcast. And so if you are brand new around here, this is a nearly full time job for both of us. So it's it, it is a little different than a hobby that you have to make time for. Like it is our job. So I don't mean that in a negative way. Just it no longer feels like taking time out optional, right. Or (laughs) optional because we are, you know, we're booked out with advertisers and we, you know, have people who work with us and for us and contractors and commitments. So, um, that actually, I, I really enjoy that part of it because this is my job and my work and it's work that I love. Um, but I, I think it would be fun to speak for a couple of minutes on coming up with new content because that does feel hard after five years. And, and, because uh, I guess I learned a lot from you back in the writing days about how magazine writers will take, you know, it's the same five ideas and you just keep repackaging and, and putting new spins on them. And I think both you and I are pretty, we're pretty good at that, but it's still hard. We, every single week we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? What are we doing? Yeah. What's happening this week? And yeah. I think, um, Sarah, you made a, a good point recently that we do our best content planning when we just riff off each other. Like when one of us has kind of like an unformed idea and we'll just bounce it off the other one. And then the other one says, yeah, and here's the angle we could take. Mm -hmm. And then it bounces back to the other person. And when we can kind of have that groove, it happens very quickly and it's a lot of fun, but it can feel honestly like nothing. Like you're staring down the abyss and there's nothing to talk about. And then it turns out there is always something to talk about. I mean, just like we can all continue to have conversations every day, even though one day isn't that different from the next, you know, we yeah. always find something to talk about with our friends. This is really kind of what that is. Um, and so it is, it is it once. And when we get an idea that is fun, it is exciting. Like, yeah. because then it, it keeps the energy high and the enthusiasm high. So I feel lucky that we're still able to do that five years, five plus years in, but, um, I don't see us slowing down anytime no. soon. Well, and I, there's a, there's a natural tension because this Anne found us a week ago and we have those of you listening oh, wow. okay. and I could name, you know, some of you I've like, feel like I'm friends with now who've been listening to us for five and a half years or longer if they were blog readers before that. So I do feel like there's kind of a natural tension always in serving the people who've heard us say everything under the sun and the people who are brand new and you add that to motherhood, right? People's kids are getting older. Our kids are getting older and yet brand new families are cropping up. So I would say it is challenging. It's not an unpleasant challenge. It's just a a part of the challenge. And I totally agree. The fact that there's two of us and we know each other so well makes it much more fun than if this were a solo show where we were trying to brainstorm like a different guest to bring on every week that that would feel lonely and hard and unfun. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Anne. Okay, so we have a question that is totally different from the rest. <laughs> One of these questions is not like the other from Allison. Um, and I just want to, I just want to say ahead of time that I think Allison's like we are totally not trying to make light of this question, which is really important. But like because it kind of feels like Allison maybe doesn't care that much, we're gonna have a little fun with it. Um, just saying that. So Allison says, I have a somewhat personal but very different fi- kind of question for you both. I am getting ready to have a preventative mastectomy mastectomy. I can never say that word in a couple months because I'm BRCA2 positive, which is one of the genes I believe Mm -hmm. that can um, predict breast cancer. Before my surgery, I need to decide to keep or get rid of my nipples. Okay. I'm wondering what you guys would do in the same situation. I'm not overall attached to them. They have fed my babies and now I feel like I don't want them anymore. Oh, don't need them anymore. He says, some of my friends think I'm nuts for not wanting to keep them, but most likely I'm not going to have feeling in my chest after surgery anyway. What would you guys do? I'm having a hard time making the final call. So, first of all, I just love that this that a listener is asking us what she should I do mean, about her nipples. Like, I thought we I had been asked that. for advice everything. on everything. Yes, we have um, not. There's room for more. And usually, I think we would say, "Wow, this is such a personal question. Like, there's no possible way we can answer it." But you happen to have an experience that leans you in one direction, and then I'm just going to kind of argue the other side. Just cause, just so you have well, information, Allison, on both sides. Yeah. And I mean, I love that 
Allison wrote to us and put it out there to be put on a public podcast. I mean, I, I just love everything about this. And yes, like you said, Megan, we're not making light of a very serious surgery, but we're answering Allison's question. And it seems like she really wants our opinion. So I had a good friend uh, go through this preventive elective surgery. Uh, I don't know, quite a while ago, five years ago, maybe. Um, and I remember talking about the the plastic surgery part of it and the nipple option. And she, I believe, went with nipples in the end, just to kind of feel like it was the body she pictured in her mind, regardless of, Mm. you know, sensation or, but like truly, as Allison points out, um, from a function or feeling standpoint, they may not be necessary. It's truly one of those like take it or leave it situations, which sounds so strange when we, you know, think about our bodies and body parts, but I'm going to say, I think if it were me, I would have nipples. You would have nipples. Okay. So I'm going to argue the other side um, because Allison does say that she breastfed and I breastfed um, five babies with these, these uh, nipples that are attached that are very close to me right now. <laughs> and given the choice, I think I would like to be rid of them because they, ha- they look like the old workhorses <laughs> of, um, of the body. Let's just put it that way. Like, They've they've seen some stuff. They've been through some use and they didn't snap back either. Like they are very different now than the nipples I um, came into my adulthood with. And they just look a little they look a little worn, a little tired. And I have seen the tattoo jobs that um, often they do when they reconstruct. Mm -hmm. They can do a really, really realistic nipple tattoo Okay. And it almost even look like, I don't know how they do it, but it looks nipply. Like it has like a, like a little nipply end. And I don't know if that's something that happens in the surgery or if that's part of the tattoo, but I have seen some amazing work done. And I don't know if that's an option for Allison or how that works, but like given the choice between the nipples, I currently sport and a pair of custom tattooed, awesome nipples that are like a normal size and shape again, I think I might go with that. Okay, well, then let me offer a third option, because I believe and this is where we are not qualified to answer this question, people. I believe that when they construct you nipples, they are not your old ones. They are. I think See, this is where I because she says I need to decide to keep or get rid of my nipples, which made me feel like they're the same nipples. See, and I thought the that there was some construction, there was some reconstruction or even some construction with other skin tissue or like you're being put oh. all back together anyway. Right. So I'm not sure you would keep the exact same ones, right. but, but don't quote me on that. I am not, I am not sure. Well, um, maybe then, then, then maybe they could take my old, you know, sad <laughs> nipples and make them yeah. fresh again. Well, why couldn't they? I mean, you're going through so much anyway, right? Doesn't that seem like the least <laughs> like, you could It have? is 2020. <laughs> Why couldn't they? Um, but here's what here's like a mildly more more serious thing to note is I know that when my friend went through this, the number of surgeries and the recovery time from each each surgery was a major consideration because in all oh. seriousness, this is a, a series of like there's the expanders, there's the cosmetic stuff, which is different than the right. medical stuff. It is like a year long thing. Um, and and my friend had the hysterectomy as well. Um so when, when you're considering whether this is a, like a fourth surgery versus stopping at three or a six week recovery instead of a six month, and I'm not saying it would, or it wouldn't be, but those are, those are real considerations when you're a mom with young kids. Um, and there's so many things to consider. And so, I mean, I would, I would absolutely weigh that differently if like, if having my desired nipples added an entire separate surgery or an entire, another like round of recovery, like those are, you know, those are real those are real months of your life to consider for sure. Yeah, for sure. I guess it, it all comes down to how important your nipples are. I mean, the, ba- you. the basic answer is we need a lot more information, Allison. Please, or, please or, Allison, write us back and or, tell us more or, about your Or nipples. just like never write to us again because we've, <laughs> I don't know, like this is. I feel like she's probably not any clearer about what to do now, but no, hopefully... I do think we're a little bit invested now, though. So I hope that she likes us enough. <laughs> to give us the final answer. And we, we will embrace and love you through this, Allison, no matter what you choose. Um, and no, in all seriousness, really keep us posted on how you're doing. Oh, she sent us her blog link. So we can, we can stay up on that. Um, and okay. I, I'll link it in the show notes too. I think it's a public blog about her journey. So we will link awesome. that up. 
Okay, we got one more quick one before we go to break, and it's for me, and it does not have to do with nipples. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Natalie writes, Sarah, I'm also a type A morning person, and I'm wondering about your early morning routine. How early do you wake up? What can you get done? Does the rest of your family wake up that early, or is this time your alone time? Um, So this is fun because everybody, I think a lot of people like hearing about other people's routines, and those are pretty quick, straightforward questions. Happy to say I'm pretty much back to it after a few months of chaos. So uh, the alarm goes off at five. Brian and I both get up together. And in the old life, pre-COVID, he would have gone to the gym uh, after a cup of coffee. He, like, he sits and reads his Twitter news on his phone and has a cup of coffee for the first like 15 minutes. And then he would have gone to the gym. Um, now it's both of us. So we get up and I we both have coffee. Coffee's set the night before. Um, I try to have a glass of water too. And then I usually read and I read a physical book. I'm not big into ebooks if I can avoid it. So I have a physical book going um, and I sit in this new house. I either sit in our family room, kitchen area, or I sit in like the more formal living room. I need a better light in there. It's a much prettier room to sit in, but I don't have a great reading light. Um, And I read. And so by the time I'm like caffeinated and reading, it's, you know, 520 or something. And then my two younger kids usually get up at six and we answered a listener question recently about those like, okay to wake. Like what time are you allowed to come out of your room? Cause I just have really early risers. And so six has always been what time they're allowed out. And I know to some of you that seems like ridiculously early, but for those of you who have early risers, you know, sometimes that's as good as it gets. So usually two sets of little feet come, you know, bounding out at six o'clock and really it's less than an hour of quiet time, but it is our quiet time. And these days it is both Brian and me, um, not just me, but in the old days. And maybe someday again, he'll go for a run or go to the gym during that time. And then on a last note, I do sometimes use that time to work. I try not to, but if I need to, I can. So yeah. And then the, the little kids get up at six, the younger kids, and then, um, Allegra would sleep until 1030 if I let her. Anymore, well, that was fun so. for me to hear about because I know parts and snippets of that, but like, I don't know, like, I don't think I had that whole picture. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Morning. It's fun. I always love hearing about people's routines. Yeah. And- I think so too. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go. My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. 
This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we are diving into more listener questions, asking us anything. And um, yeah, we got a lot of questions about marriage, including, you know, ongoing marriage, including weddings. We had several mm-hmm. wedding related questions, which I thought was interesting. Um but we also heard a lot about, or we also got a lot of questions about divorce and relationships and dating. And so this is one of the ones we chose um, from Bailey. This question is for Megan. How has dating been going or have you dated anyone this year during COVID? Well, <laughs> can, you, can you like hear the little smile on my face right now? Obviously, COVID made dating go in the toilet. I yeah. mean- like there, first of all, there was literally no place to go. And there were people still doing like distance dates. That sounded terrible oh. to me. Like, I don't, I don't want to be on a zoom, any more zoom calls than I have to. Um, and like to do that at a date where I'm usually very comfortable at, on dates, like even with people I'm not interested in, I usually find yeah, some, you have a good time. Some, yeah, I have a good time. Um, which actually has created a lot of confusion because then sometimes the guy's <laughs> like, but I thought it was going so well. And I'm like, oh, it was. For me, but no, this isn't a thing. So like I was having fun, but we're not going to do this again. So anyway, um, there was no dating happening for, for many, many months, but right before COVID happened, I made a friend who we went out a couple times and like kind of was not really sure if we were going to date or not. And then we ultimately just kind of decided not. And but we continued to be friends and we became very good friends. And then for a long time, he was like the only adult I saw, like the only other human who wasn't my kids that I saw for a few like months. Um, mm-hmm. And then when things started to open up again and it was possible to drive around and, you know, go to the beach and stuff like that, we just continued to do things together. And that so after like six months of him being my weirdly, I called him my platonic quarantine bay. Um <laughs> It is not platonic anymore. So that's been like two and a half weeks. But now we're already like best buddies. Yeah, you spent six months in COVID getting to know each other. Right. Yeah. Platonically. I know. It's very strange. And people, I would tell people about it and they're like, what now? I don't don't get it. I mean, so that is going very, very well. That's all I have to say about it. Um, Except that they say, and this is not someone I met on a dating app. Like it was just someone that I kind of knew we became like a local person. I think we became Facebook friends and then one day ran into each other and like the rest is history kind of a thing. But like, it's just one of those stories I love because it's like the you work so hard at it. Like, I feel like dating is one of those things that was very frustrating for me because I was like, but I'm so like, you know, I'm like goal oriented and yeah. I can do all these things in my life. And when I want something, I can make it happen. And why can't I make this happen? Like, why can't I just do the thing I have to do to find the right person to date? And it was, I've been single for four years. Mm -hmm. So so like, it was a long time for me. You know, I've dated people. I've had a couple, I would say, I guess, boyfriends. And I've had, um, I've gone on lots and lots of dates. But like, I was very frustrated by the fact that like, no matter what I did, no matter like, I just felt like I was doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing and none of them were panning out. And then just by accident, and that's what they all say will happen. And you don't believe it until it happens. And you're like, oh, so. Well, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. And I like having a little behind the scenes peek. We'll talk about work and then we'll like switch over and talk about fun (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So our next question comes from Abby and I will read it. She says, I feel like I know so much about so many aspects of your life, but you seem purposely to steer clear of the subject of religion. Is this a purposeful choice on your part? Since religion informs so many parenting decisions for mothers who practice a faith, it just seems interesting that it has really never been a part of the discussion on your show. This isn't a judgment or criticism, just something I've noticed and been curious about. Do either of you, do either of you consider yourself religious? Um, yeah, I mean, that is a very accurate description of our of our show. Um, and I can go first. I do not consider myself religious. I've had lots of close, um, friends and people in my life who are religious over the years. Um, I feel really comfortable talking about, like, I I think what I try to do and be is be very easy to talk about faith and faith practices 
with as someone who doesn't consider myself personally religious. I don't, you know, I have, I have very, very close friends who are devoutly Christian. Um, and I've had, you know, relationships in the past with people who are very religious. So I hope that, that, you know, I can kind of mesh into those conversations, but I don't consider myself religious. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to say like the, uh, to address the, is it a purpose? Is it a purposeful choice on your part? I want to say it is. Um, and I'll get into more of my background in a minute, but like, I do think we've always wanted the show to be accessible to anybody, anybody who, you know, is a person of, um, what is, what are the words that like empathy and someone who thinks things through and nuance. And we never want to feel like anyone feels out displaced yeah. or isn't part of the conversation. So I do think we have just kind of made this a very secular space, um, it, which, and I guess I'll also attack another part of that question, which is the part Abby um, asks about parenting decisions being informed by religion. And honestly, um, I don't, I don't even like the word religious, but, but I do, I am a person of faith. Um, I don't know how much that faith actually does inform parenting, the kind of parenting decisions we talk about on this show. Like there are definitely conversations I'm having with my kids or there's a worldview that I see or a lens that I see things through that I'm sure affects my relationships with my kids. But like whether I decided to, um, you know, discipline a certain way or, you know, feed them a certain way or whatever. Like, I don't really personally feel like faith has played a big role in those questions or those choices. So, um, so I think it's been pretty easy actually to just keep it separate. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I'm leaving something out. And for me, it, you know, I grew up in the church. My parents and family were Catholic and my parents got divorced and my mom and I went to a Presbyterian church for a long time. And then we kind of church hopped and went to, I mean, I've been to everything from Pentecostal charismatic churches to, and we, um, went like we hung out with the Mormons for a while, had some Jehovah's witnesses that we were like entertaining for a bit. So I've like really kind of been all over the gamut. And then there was about a 10 year, 10 to 15 year period where I was kind of just didn't want to think about it anymore. I found it very confusing. I had some, um, I had some beefs, uh, (laughs) I guess with some, some practices that I saw. And I was never one of those people who speaks Christianese easily either. I think that that is often very much a, like I was raised in the evangelical church kind of a thing. And there's just a way people talk that I find can be very othering, even Mm -hmm. as another person who believes what they believe, I'm not speaking the language and I I find it uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I just have never been able to be that person who just like slips things in, you know, like God put it on my heart. I'm like, what now? So there's just, there's a certain, if anybody it has been in that world. They know what Christianese is and I've never been fluent in it ever um, at any point. But for about a 10 year period where I was like, "Ugh, I don't know what I think about all this stuff. And I just don't want to think about it so hard anymore. So I kind of just stopped and really didn't, I didn't go to church. I didn't take my kids to church for probably four or five years and then just kind of drifted back in it. I don't know. Like, I think that that happens a lot. Actually, I drifted away and then mm-hmm. I drifted back toward And, um, it's definitely something more personal for me. It's not even really something right now that I'm involving my kids in a lot, except for, they know that I go to church and they sing at church and they know that I talk about it, but like, it's not something I'm expecting them at this time to really participate much in. Um, it's just something I'm exploring. So, so I guess that's all a long winded way of saying it would be really difficult to, to slip that easily in to a topic on like potty training, right? <laughs> you know, which is why I think it never comes up. Um, but you can follow my Instagram if you want to get a peek. Cause I do talk about it sometimes there. Yeah, you do. And I've loved the way you've talked about it. Um, in the last year or two, I also want to say that there are, a, at least it seems to me quite a few motherhood podcasts rooted in, um, the Christian faith-based community. And obviously Christianity is only one way to be religious and there's a million options even within that. But, um, I do think that faith-based motherhood podcasts, there are quite a few of them. And so it's, you know, I think we also feel like there are, if that is what you're looking for, there's not a lack 
Does that make sense? So yeah. it's not yes. it's not a void that we have felt the need the to need fill. to fill. Yeah, that reminds me of something really funny that happened to us at a at a conference, and I'm going to share this story. Oh with yeah, you. it might sound snarky, and I totally don't mean it that way. I thought it was actually very funny, but we were, we were at a conference um, down south, and it was a conference that had a lot of bloggers and podcasters and influencer type people who um, who do consider themselves part of the Christian faith and who who are very like that's the Kind yeah, the content, the, about. The, yeah, content. the content yeah. is rooted in, in the faith, not just yeah, exactly. what they do on Sundays. Yeah. So I was introducing myself to someone and, um, telling her a little bit about the show and she said, y'all faith based. And we both just froze because I honestly didn't know what she meant. Like me, me personally, like am she I leaned forward too. she leaned forward to both of us and said, y'all faith based. We were like, <laughs> And also the accent kind of threw me off for a second because I was like, I don't actually know what you just said. Wait, did you just ask me if I'm faith-based? And then I just said, no. <laughs> like, I said, no, we're secular or something like that. And then I felt like that wasn't even the, the correct answer because, you know, the show. Oh, I think I said the show. Like, yeah. I really didn't know how to answer the question. But that is kind of some of the, that's kind of some of that, like, Christianese I'm talking about that can just roll off the tongue for people who are in like immersed in that culture and for people who aren't, it's very awkward. It's like an awkward way to talk about something that shouldn't really be awkward to talk about, but because it's so assumed or so comfortable for some, then everybody who's not in that group feels kind of like, Oh, I I don't know how to answer that question. So I probably had that deer in the headlights. Look, (laughs) it was great. It was great. It was a great moment. And um, yeah, just to put a bow on this, I mean, Wherever you are in your faith-basedness, you are welcome here. And I mean that completely seriously. I yeah. am I love that Abby asked the question. I've had a couple of people in my life ask me very directly, how are your kids gonna learn right and wrong or morals without, you know, without a faith structure? And I, while you know, more than once that was like a little bit deer in the headlights for me, I think that's a really good question for those of us on the secular side to think about. And so I think we can learn a lot from each other. I think if you have a structure to provide, to have conversations with your kids about, you know, kindness and goodness. And if that structure comes from your faith tradition, that's awesome. If you don't have a faith tradition to draw from, I think that that's a good question. I have been glad that people have asked me that, even though it's like, at first it's like, well, what do you mean? Like my kids aren't going to be good people because I don't have this specific structure to talk about, you know, generosity and kindness and humility. Um, But I think it's, these are good questions for us to think about. So hopefully what we do on the show is create a space where we can talk about raising good kids and being happy moms that isn't, It's not exclusive of, but it also is leaves the room for any number of those things. Yeah. Yeah, And I also just I mean, I know you were trying to put a bow on it, but here I am stretching the bow out bigger bow and ironing it. I'm ironing the bow and fluffing it. Um, (laughs) It's also important. I think I mean, it goes without saying, but I just want to acknowledge that Christianity isn't the only faith. And we probably have Jewish and Muslim and all kinds of um, of all kinds of faiths represented in our listenership. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge that. And to your point, Sarah, and I think that's what I was trying to get at is even when I was actively not engaging with a faith community or a faith practice, those pieces that I absorbed from that practice or from, I guess, just like the, the character traits or whatever that were instilled in me, like they still have, they still played a part of my parent in my parenting. And there's different ways to get to there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying, like, it's good to think about it because there are things that you, that just become part of the structure and get taught that you might not think about if you're not part of that structure. So I think it's good to think about, but I also think it could just become part of your moral compass, Mm -hmm. your personal ethics and morals, and it doesn't have to necessarily be part of this other thing. So that was like a very um, long-winded way of fluffing up that bow. I think the bow is now tied on. We are ready. We are ready. Well, this is a really great follow-up question. Okay. And it comes from Jada, who I do consider one of the listeners that I like follow personally now and kind of feel like I'm friends with. Um, so Jada, you're awesome. Um, she says, My question for the two of you is where you fall on the potty mouth spectrum from choir girl to swear like a sailor. I always appreciate that you keep the podcast clean for any little ears that might be listening, but I feel like perhaps you both fall somewhere closer to the middle. 
The reason I thought about it is because I just heard some outtakes from another favorite podcast and one of the hosts dropped a swear and I instantly felt more connected to her. Not because I expect my friends to swear, but it just felt like a glimpse of the woman behind the curtain. So I wrote back immediately and said, Jada, you give us a lot of credit for assuming that we (laughs) fall in the middle. That was very nice of you to say. Um, Can I start this answer with a story, Megan, that I think was this is like a behind the scenes story. So a lot of, you know, we met really started to get to know each other because I took an online writing class from Megan in 2011. So nine years ago. And um, it was a lot of bloggers, aspiring bloggers and writers who were trying to figure out like how to write about their kids online and how to get published writing about their families. And um, at the time, remember, like kind of crass blogs were they had been in for a while, but like everyone was trying to figure out, like, how do I make my crass humor blog maybe also turn this into a career? Well, that's kind of hard, because if I've just been like dropping F-bombs all the time and complaining about my life, like that's maybe not what a magazine wants. And there was a lot of talk at the time about like, what is this personal narrative writing and like what place does it have in more traditional media versus like your own blog? So it was a common question at the time, like, should I swear on my blog? And it was also like, should I use my kids' real names? And there were all these kind of existential, we felt existential questions. And I will never forget the answer you gave about swearing. And you said, you told us as a class, you were like, in my real life, I swear like a sailor. Like I have a potty mouth. I enjoy, you know, like crass humor sometimes. And you said, but that doesn't mean that when I'm in the grocery store looking for the peanut butter, I don't yell down the aisle. Where the F is the peanut butter in this GD grocery store? And I will never forget that analogy because, and I love it. And I think it pertains to this podcast because It's not insincere or like you're being fake or you're not or you're trying to hide some part of yourself. It's just that there's a a value in knowing your audience and a time and place for everything. So, yes, I'll personally answer the question and say that I enjoy swearing. I get a lot of joy and pleasure out of the full spectrum of the English language. I think I'm raising kids who love humor and as they get older, humor gets dirtier and both in mm-hmm. content and in the actual language. Um, I've always been someone who believes that there are way more hurtful things to say with the English language than four letter words. So I'd much rather put my emphasis in teaching my kids how to, how to apologize, how to be gracious with language than, than focusing on like four letter words that are like on a bad list somewhere without right. any context. So yeah, I'm a swearer. You and I swear a lot in yep. our in our text exchanges and in our Voxer. Um, but I would never, I mean, like, I just, I feel like there is a time and a place. And actually, I'll say one more thing, and I'll turn it over to you. Even though I'm very liberal with swearing in my real life, and I my kids hear me swear, I, I get really annoyed when I walk by somebody who's loud talking, say, into a cell phone and dropping F-bombs in a place where there are kids around. So it's weird. I have this, like, school marm in me that feels like it's disrespectful if, if, it's not reaching your intended audience in the intended way. So I'll get real, like if someone's like talking loudly in an airport and just swearing, I, th- I find that so rude, but yet it's the same words that I get much enjoyment out of using when I'm talking to you. So I don't but know. But again, it's that public, it's yeah. the public nature of it. I also, like if I'm in a restaurant and there's a, t- it's, there's often like a table of dudes who yeah. just can't like keep oh, it's their always voices a dude. under control. Yeah. And they're like yelling F-bombs. I just want, I, and I have before, you know, like in someone's direction, kind of gestured at my kid and yeah. been like shrugging, like, hey, could you? And I don't want to hear it either. Um, so it's it's definitely depends on the, the context. Context yeah. is everything. I have some friends I swear with a lot more than other friends. I've actually tried to um, tone down my use of the F-bomb because the more, um, habitual you get when you say it, like the harder it is to keep it under wraps, like it becomes so habitual. So, but I really enjoy using the F word (laughs) in a multitude of creative ways. Um, I like to play with its, you know, ability to be an adverb or, you know, just like any, yeah. Um, And like one of my very favorite sayings is I say FFS, but it's for F's sakes. Uh-huh. I love that saying and, and many others, many, many others. Um, so yeah, we swear, yeah, we, we swear, swear Jada, we're not even in the middle, but I am, but I am like, like you, Sarah, I am very, um, cognizant of 
who the audience is and whether they are the people who need to be hearing those words out of me. And you are that person, Sarah. Yeah. You are that person <laughs> am, who needs. I am a receptive audience <laughs> for all you the need to be hearing FFS. It. Yeah. Okay. Good one, Jada. Okay. So last question comes from Lizzie and she called it in. And Lizzie, we remember meeting you in Nashville. You were not the one who said y'all faith-based, but you nope. came up to us on the street. Maybe she did as we were walking away. Maybe she's like, y'all faith-based? No, she knew us. She I knew know, us. So she knew, that. she knew we weren't. <laughs> um, so let's listen to Lizzie's question now. Hey, Megan and Sarah. This is Lizzie in Nashville. I met you guys on the street when you were here for a conference. I'm loving listening. I've listened to all the episodes. And I just wanted to know if you could describe your most perfect day. What would you do? What would you eat? Who would you be with? Where would you be? Love you guys. Okay, it's so funny. It's impossible to remove COVID from this question of the perfect day. And we're short on time. So I'll just give a quick answer. I mean, I feel like there would be restaurants at every meal for me. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a homebody, but I would just, I would have the avocado toast at Zinc Bistro in Laguna Beach, which I sadly no longer live 15 minutes from. You've had it, Megan. I think I took you there. Yeah, avocado did, and toast. it was amazing. So oh, it had like radishes. On yes. It. Mm-hmm, pickled mm-hmm. radishes and yeah, like butter on the, on the sourdough toast. Remember that was where Clara couldn't, she couldn't um, wrap her mind around the fact that you live, you actually lived in California. Yeah. She kept asking you. Yeah. Like, where do you really live? And you're like, no, this is where I live. She's like, yeah, but where do you really live? It's not my vacation house. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I think it would be it would be that for breakfast, probably sushi or some kind of some kind of Mexican for lunch, Um, a nap for sure, Mm. like a nap in a really cozy bed Um, and then a really good dinner but then followed by it's basically our life at a conference, Megan. It's kind of my yeah, ideal day. I was like room say, service, that is the ideal day. Yeah. Cozy bed, watching like a favorite TV show or movies, plenty of time to like digest food in between, but very food, <laughs> very food driven throughout the day. And I'm just not going to apologize for the fact that my ideal day right now does not include anyone that I'm related to. It's either by myself or it's with you, Megan, or another yeah. like gaggle of close girlfriends. I, I have a really hard time with questions like this because I'm like, like an ideal day, like that's an act like followed by real life. Or is this like a day where you get outside of real life? You know, I'm like, I always have Can a million qualifiers. Can I fly? <laughs> yes. Do I have, do I have like, like see-through vision? <laughs> Can I make myself invisible? Um, but yeah, like if I truly had to think about like what an ideal day feels like for me, like that feeling of being on vacation where you don't have to do anything for yourself and you can just sidle up and have like a really good meal over and over and over. And it's a new thing. It's like a new thing every time too. I think that's really exciting. I love airports and I feel like part of my ideal day would be take place in an airport. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I really like being in airports because it also has that feeling like I'm going somewhere. I don't want to be on the plane for any of my ideal day, but like I want that feeling like I'm going to go get in a nice airport where they have like good restaurants and I can sit and watch people go by. Yeah. And have a drink and a meal, like in one of those right in the middle of the terminal yeah. restaurants where you can sit. I love those. I think I would want to work a little bit because yeah. I really like working. Me too. And especially if it was like a fun conversation with you about work and maybe I'd have a massage in there. Oh, yeah. And could we see a Broadway show? I mean, this is now we're just. Yes. This is like going to be an long, ideal week. It's a long day. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that question, Lizzie. And we loved meeting you. So that was a fun one to wrap up on. So, well, this is really fun, everybody. And thank you to everybody who sent in questions, um, including those of you. We didn't get to your questions today, but we did see them all. And we just think you guys are great. Yeah, this was really, really fun. And if you want to get to know us even better, you could uh, think about treating yourself to a night away on November 7th, which is when we're having our virtual retreat. We've got a link in the show notes. Or you can check out themomhour.com slash virtual retreat for details about that event. Hey, everybody. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another brand new episode. And we'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 